Hey, Patrick. Hey, you're in my shop class, right? How's your clock coming? My dad's building it for me. Yeah. Mine looks like a boat. You want to sit over here, or are you waiting for your friends? No, 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 I'll sit. Thanks for not calling me nothing, by the way. It's an endless nightmare. And these assholes, they actually think they're being original. So, uh, do you like football? Love it. Love football. Maybe you know my brother, then. Hey, Sam. Question. Could the bathrooms here be more disgusting? Mm, yes. They call it the men's room. Oh, so I finally got a hold of Bob. Party tonight? He, uh, still trying to shag that waitress from the Olive Garden. Ah, uh, he's never tossing that salad. Oh, fuck, how do you do a British accent? Shit, um... <laughs> well, what, top? Fuck, I can't do a British accent. Uh, uh... Well, Jimity Crick... No, it's not British. <laughs> Uh, Please keep all this in the in the audio. Uh, I'll put it at the very end. All the outtakes. Um, all right then, Michael. <laughs> oh, well, the top of the morning to you. That's that's Irish. Fuck. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, the top of the morning to you, Andrea. Oh, pippity poo! How are you doing? A cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Biscuits and crumpets. Michael, oh. we're gonna get cancelled. What? What a fall! What two? What two British fellows? I'm a girl. I, I'm a I'm a lad, and you're a lass. You know, I can I take double the points for that because I also managed to make a Game of Thrones reference. That's because we're British. That's right. I don't know. Ten points to you, Andrea. Ten points to Gryffindor. <laughs> There's your Harry Potter reference for the week. Whatever. Yeah, it's pretty much... Well, I think we have one in this one. <laughs> A very... Oh, shit. That's your true. face one. <laughs> Which is the whole point of these horrible accents. <laughs> Welcome back. Obviously, we're talking about perks of being a wallflower. How did you not figure that out? Yeah, not at all. Um, which just so happens to have good old Hermione in it. And boy, oh boy, can she do an American accent. You know what? I have to say, it wasn't as bad as I remembered it being. But it's, it's more of like the cadence and the enunciation is really awkward in her American accent. Um, yeah, and she falls out of it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely like hear some of the Brit pull in um, during some some sequences. So, I mean, it's hard doing another another uh, accent if you're not from an area. So, very true. But I, I, I that that sort of like you know talking on accents, and this is obviously off topic, but like Hugh Lowry as House. I think he's probably like one of the few people that have been able to pull off a fantastic American accent that was a Brit. I don't know. I feel like British people do it all the time. They say it's fucking hard. I, well, I bet it um, is, but like I see them pull it off all the time. Like I would not have known Hugh Laurie was British until seeing him years later do something else or just talk in an interview. And I was like, what? Why'd you lie to me my whole life? 
Hugh. <laughs> That's um, acting, Andrea. <laughs> but how dare they lie so well? Yeah, I don't want my acting to be good. I don't want to believe what they're doing. I'm still shocked Paul Dano is alive after seeing the way Daniel Day-Lewis killed him in There Will Be Blood. <laughs> what about the time when uh, Daniel Day-Lewis got shot in a booth? I'm surprised he's alive as well, to be <laughs> honest. But that sort of acting machine couldn't have been entirely human, so... Yeah, that's why he had to quit. Welcome to Conspiracy Hour. Which do, do, actors do, 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 are real? Do, do, do. Which actors are fake? We'll find out. I'm I'm waiting for the day when technology gets to the point where they're able to like completely build someone and like create an AI voice for them, and there's just going to be this AI actor that's out there. Mark Zuckerberg. Oh well, yeah, you're right. It's already happened. Anyways, perks of being a wallflower. <laughs> It was written by Stephen Chabasky? Chomsky. Chabasky? Chomsky. Yeah. Chomsky. And uh, then in, in 1999, he wrote, that's when it came out. And then he decided, hey, I'm going to direct my own book in 2012. And you know what? I think both work magnificently. Yeah. I think the book is way better. Uh, I, I have some gripes with the movie. But <laughs> oh, let's get into it. This is let's what get, we do here. Let's get into it and tear this shit apart. Um, we analyze, we criticize, we fight. It's it's our whole appeal. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to summarize perks first? Well, we start off with Charlie, who we can tell is interesting. I'll say that. So, well, he he's a quiet, sensitive boy. He's writing letters to someone we don't know. We never find out who. The whole book is epistolary. It's told through letters. And basically, he's detailing his freshman year in high school. He's very sad. He has no friends. And then he meets a lovely group of people. Patrick and Sam are the two siblings that are like his his, you know, main pull into this group. Immediately in love with Sam. From the get-go. And it's basically adventures. You know, high school. They have parties. Someone gives him pot brownies. He doesn't know. Sam makes him a milkshake. Very nice. This book is kind of hard to summarize now that I'm into it. Because it's like, there's a lot of kind of pointed things that happen. And then a lot of details I feel like you need. But basically, yeah. It's him and this group of friends. He's having a hard time navigating social friendships. He's also, you know, exploring his trauma. Which comes out when you least expect it. Fuck, Michael. I don't even know. I don't even. How do I sum? Read this fucking book. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a young adult novel, coming of age, telling of a boy who didn't have friends who gets friends and oh wait, then pause. His I'm friends so sorry. Sort of dip. Huh? We have to because we have to pause correct the recording. Something. No, no, no. Oh, okay. I just have to interrupt. Hey, do you remember last week I didn't have my planner and you're like, what are we doing next? And I'm like, let's do perks. And we're like, it's coming of age novels month. It's not. It's fucking mental health awareness month. But this is still the book we were going to oh. cover for mental health awareness. Well, it is still out. a coming of age and young adult book. Yes, but we're huh. we're all being sad this month. So, yeah. Sorry, I, keep going. I am here for mental health awareness month. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the book... I, I really like this book a lot, and it's really weird because I, 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 
I don't know if it's just like I connected with a lot of things in it. Um, something's really close um, to to like Charlie's character and whatnot, like things that happened to him. Um, but I, 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 I felt like I've either read or seen this film before, but I don't remember ever reading or watching it before. Maybe maybe I took some pop brownies one time and, and watched the film. Um, <laughs> who knows? Do you remember but that time I, we did? We no, we didn't. No, we didn't make a pop brown. We yeah, made we pop brownies. Shut up. It's fine. We're... <laughs> Do you not remember making I was pop like, brownies? Maybe we don't announce that on the podcast, but fuck it. Who cares? Who gives a fuck? We're this this whole this whole book is about drugs and and sex and rock up. and roll. Fuck yeah. Rock and roll. Um, what the but... fuck's happening? <laughs> But I do want to put a warning out there um, for 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 those from Iowa. Uh, if you could please turn off this this episode, <laughs> you're you're not allowed to listen to it because um, the Iowa parents are arguing that perks of being a wallflower is potentially harmful to students. So if you could please just turn it off if you're in Iowa right now, or even oh, if you're from off. Iowa, um, it's not good for your health. <laughs> that makes me so mad. <laughs> Good old trying to ban books. Way to go, people. Um, and this is very much a book that uh, young people should read, or actually, I feel like anyone should read. Like, I, I, it's actually something I've been I've been personally dealing with some shit, um, and this was actually something really nice and comforting to read. So, um, and like I said, I connected with some things very well, and something's really fucking close. Like, so Charlie has a friend who. Uh, who who dies whose name is michael and i act, like when i was 17 i had a friend who was named michael who died as well and so it was like really i found a huge connection with charlie and also like the way that charlie thinks and the fact that he thinks too much and he's told from his uh counselor to you know participate more and and he, he's someone who reads a lot and shit and it's just charlie's character uh was just someone that I found a lot of connections with, and this was a great book to read because of that. Yeah. And obviously we need another little disclaimer pop-up that we are going to talk about sexual assault because it does come up in the book and in the movie, obviously. So, Sexual avoid... assault and suicide. Yes. So avoid further entanglement with this episode if this is not good for you. So... Speaking mm -hmm. of, let's get into it, because we didn't really finish summarizing, did we? But, I mean, you know, a lot of high school we'll, stuff happens. We'll get it as we go. ultimately... Well, yeah. Or do I... Okay, do I not keep going? <laughs> I, I was just saying, like, we'll... Like, I feel like there's a lot of things to talk about that we'll probably be summarizing it as we're talking about it. So, I think it'll be... We can just go ahead and talk about the book or and the film. That's true. And, you know, okay. So, going off what you just said. I first read this book... It was shortly after high school, and I remember it hit me really hard because, A, anything a good book does, I mean, it makes you introspective. If you identify with parts of it that speak to you, obviously that's going to have an impact. It was a trying time in my life. I read this, and it was the first time a book that wasn't serious as death made me cry, and so then I'm just crying on a part, like, swing, and I didn't know why. And I realized this is a fucking good book. So... 
that's what's been interesting. Like, we're doing Mental Health Awareness Month, and I'm rereading this book, and I'm just like, you're just getting my feels all over again. I don't know how you're doing it. But that's part of the magic of this book. Like, it's the friends you wanted to have in high school, pretty much. It's... Yeah. Like, it's supportive. It's beautiful. They're all lovely people. You want to know them. There's a lot of references to things... The hipsters have taken over, but it was still fresh at the time when this book was written, so you can identify with that. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just, it speaks, like all good young adult fiction, to young adults like people and takes them seriously, and that's a beautiful thing. And I think the way that Stefan wrote the book was a brilliant way of portraying it because it's done through letters, and so you're getting very much charlie's perspective on things and the way that he feels and he's just writing this to someone we don't actually know who it is so really he's writing it to the reader and it's uh i really like the presentation of the story yeah Um, i agree so anyways what do you want to start with andrea that's a really good question michael you want to just start off with like some differences, but we'll just start off with some differences between the book and the novel. First off, uh, I think it was a really bad choice to leave this out is um, Charlie beating up his bully. Yeah. No, they, I let, agree. they completely leave that out of the movie, and it, it plays in later very well because after some shit, uh, another character that Charlie is close with and. Uh, there's this huge exchange between these two characters and a fight breaks out and th- this close friend of Charlie um, is getting beat up. And so Charlie then uses his fighting skills to help him out. And it's sort of, they skip over the whole bullying thing, which also plays into why Candace n- nags her boyfriend, Ponytail Derek. Ponytail mm-hmm. Derek? Ponytail and Derek. <laughs> great name um (laughs) and so there's like these two big instances i feel like in the book that that are very big character development things for 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 various characters and it's there's this nice beginning part in the book where charlie stands up to his bully and he learned to we find out that charlie learned how to fight from his older brother who is a football player and yeah, they skip over that entirely, and it's it's a it's a sad choice that they left that out. I think it it's a good thing for Charlie, and also it teaches us that hey, Charlie knows how to stand stand up for himself and fight. And then yeah, and that was actually an interesting thing to leave out too. They have some of what's happening with Candace in the background, but you're seeing her relationship with Ponytail Derek occur, and then you know resolve neatly towards the end where she just goes with her friends alone to the dance but you don't Mm -hmm. have this part where she has charlie drive her to the abortion clinic yes yes the part where they they connect and they and they're they're uh they get really close as siblings because it's they kind of have like a rough relationship a little bit because candace is a very very bossy very argumentative person so And what's interesting, too, is, like, they have excluded a decent chunk of just the family interacting. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in the book you get, they're all going for the holidays to see the cousins and grandma. 
which I don't think you needed to have. There's a really kind of poignant line about that, though, when Charlie's talking about wondering which of the cousins will make it and that he bets that they're wondering the same thing about their family. Um, mm-hmm. I also like the line that he says. It's he like he like asks the reader, "Do you enjoy um, do you enjoy holidays with your family?" And he's like, "I do," because it's always interesting seeing that all these people love each other but they don't like each other. Mm, yeah, yeah. And and I was like, "That's such a good line," and I see that a lot. So that's the interesting thing. Like, I see this a lot as gripes people have, where they're like, "Well, Charlie's writing at a very young level." It's like, "Well, duh." I mean, it is, he's a freshman in high school, and also, yeah. there's nothing to suggest he was a big reader before this year, and now his teacher's exposing him to literature, and it's nice that you do have the writing get better as the book goes on, but also, yeah. Charlie's obviously dealing with some baggage, people, so mm-hmm. that's actually the beautiful thing about Charlie is the writing can be very simple, but the lines are so perfect when it comes to observations of people and relationships that that's where the excellence of it comes I think it's like there are certain lines that are so hard-hitting despite simplistic writing because they're just honest and that's where and that's something like I I struggle to with my my own writing sometimes is just keeping it simple and really at times simple is better and it can hit harder than you know going on a nice flourish of words and getting to a point after like long paragraphs, but it's nice sometimes to just have a sentence just stick out. It's sort of um, like how Chuck Palahniuk sometimes does it. Like he'll just like throw things in every now and again. Um, yeah. That just sort of hit. And there's nothing wrong with simplistic writing. And I think it actually sometimes takes a better writer to write something that's simple and works well. And Stefan does a great job at that. Very true. I'm calling him by his first name, Chomp- Chomsky. <laughs> I know, me and Stefan, we're close broads. We know we Yeah, we're pals. Um, he just doesn't know we're pals yet, but we'll get there. A few other changes. Um, the fact that uh, I can't remember. Like, for some reason, I, did, it was a counselor that Charlie talks to and not his English teacher, right? Like They sort of merged a counselor with his English teacher. Yeah. For um, the movie. Well, I think the counselor maybe he talked to once. I don't actually remember. That's the weird... Yeah. Because I thought it was a counselor that he was talking to that was giving him the extra work. No, it was his teacher. His... Oh, was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I guess I misremembered. Too many pot brownies. God damn it. <laughs> I want to I wanna say the two instances where... where where uh, Charlie takes drugs, I don't think they're played well in the in the in the film. For example, when he he's given pot brownies without his knowledge, he's a young naive kid, and these senior kids want to get him high for the first time, and he doesn't know it. And I love the way that Sam sort of takes control, sort of like a motherly paternal control in, of the situation in the book, and like she gets really mad at the guy who gave him the brownies but in the film it's just sort of like she just sort of like gives him an eye and that's about it and yeah it's it's a great instance there where she's like taking care of him and then also the instance when he takes lsd i he's like having a he's supposed to have like a really bad fucking trip and like he's like freaking out and shit but all they have is him shoveling a circle of snow and 
I don't think that really showed that he was like having a bad trip. Exactly. So like the book goes into this whole thing where part of what triggers him is he's hearing Sam and Craig have sex and that kind of spirals Mm -hmm. him and he does go and shovel snow. But like that's the thing, the movie played it down almost to where like, like how a drunk person might pass out in the snow. But yeah. And, like, Sam comes out and talks him through it, but you don't get that in the book. In the book, he's just alone and freaking out, and no one's there. Yeah, he doesn't... Oh, did he pass out and go to the hospital? Yeah. In the book? Okay. All right. For some reason, I thought he only did that later on. Um, and also, the way the movie set it up doesn't make sense, because she comes and kind of talks him down, and then he's inside, but then he goes back outside after shoveling the snow to, like, pass out <laughs> outside. It just... The timeline doesn't quite make sense. Or... Or, you know, it's a bad idea to give someone who's having a bad trip prescription glasses to make them feel better. You're, you're tripping, and then you're going to give them prescription dr- glasses to someone who isn't prescribed glasses, and that's going to already mess with their vision is wearing glasses that aren't suitable to your eyes. That just sounds like a horrific combination to me. Yeah. So please don't good. do that. Don't don't follow uh, Emma Watson's... Uh, idea of calming down a friend by giving them prescription glasses not a good idea folks yeah it's not great but like so that's the thing you've got the ages might seem a little aged well i think logan learman's age seems a little aged up for the movie but you have to remember in the book they're giving a 15 year old pot and the 15 year old doesn't know they're taking pot which is highly not recommended but i mean other than that he i don't think i could see another actor doing charlie now because Logan Lerman did such a good job. Yeah, he played it really well. And I really liked Ezra Miller as as Patrick. Dude, thank you um, for bringing it up. Because Ezra Miller stole the fucking show. Oh, yeah. He did it really well. There's a couple of lines that they changed that I think that they were just doing it. Because it's like, hey, this is a movie for young adults. like this. But I like the lines better in, in, uh, in the book at times but yes ezra miller did a great job uh good old flash i guess this is right before he got all his powers so it's good seeing ezra miller as a regular teenage boy i'm just a regular teenage boy well and that's the thing like i'm curious to know which lines were changed because to me i just feel like they also just threw in more lines and like more of the relationship between Patrick and Sam, which I was okay with. And, like, it seems like they kind of modernized some of the jokes, which was also okay because obviously there's a different timeline between book and movie. But I don't know. I think it kind of... They figured out what a talent they had with Ezra Miller, and they're like, we have to put more attention on Patrick's character because he's just so good. It's hard not to like Ezra's character. He's he's fun. Yeah. There's a couple of there's a couple of things that that also that that I that I that I wish that they they put in because it's sort of um towards the end when when Sam's asking Charlie like what what he wants and he can't you know do things um, he can't be worrying about other people and you know focus on him by worrying about other people and not focusing on himself doesn't mean that he loves he's loving people more um, I love when she's talking about because Patrick ends up kissing Charlie and Charlie doesn't stop him. And in the book, they kiss more than they do in the film. And 
like Charlie doesn't stop him because he doesn't want to feel bad about stopping his friend kissing him. And he knows at that time of need, that's what Patrick needed. But it was a great point from Sam saying that that wasn't a good thing to do, that he wasn't actually really helping Patrick in that instance. Yeah. And I thought that was a good point that sometimes you think you're helping someone, but you might actually be messing with their emotions more. So, yeah, especially because it's like it's also sort of, um, you know, Charlie's dealing with uh, the, you know, he's, he's dealing he, a lot of it is Charlie trying to deal with. He's at an age where people are starting to have sex and he's not feeling it yet. And um, like one of like the first lines of the book and film is. Um, I heard you're one of those people that doesn't have sex with someone just because they can. And it's sort of Charlie wants to know that there's people out there that don't feel like having sex all the time or that they do turn people down or they're not ready for it. So and I think Charlie could have, you know, sort of noticed that maybe he, he should have turned, turned down Patrick's advances. Yeah. Not that Patrick was like doing anything wrong. True. And I thought that was like an interesting way because there's different ways like the layers of people's backstories come out and it's done pretty masterfully because you hear that first line and you're wondering why this is so important to Charlie. And then, you know, you hear later about him being younger and there's that party at the house and he does witness a rape. Um, Yeah, which you don't have in the film. mm -hmm. And like, obviously, once that you get around to the ending, that's just a fucked up scene. God. Yeah. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, and then obviously you get to the end and, you know, he's this stuff is coming out about him, his repressed memories of what his aunt did. And I think what you're seeing early on is Charlie is driven by kind of aversions to a high degree of people not honoring consent, even though he doesn't know why yet. Right, it's definitely. And that's what like I'd like that the book doesn't stray away from some deep, hard topics. Especially that that rape scene, it's really messed up. And I've heard similar things happening to people that I know. And so it's it's nice that someone was able to write it well. <laughs> um, like it yeah. it doesn't it didn't feel cheap at all. Like and 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 like and Charlie's like stuck in this room, not knowing what the hell is going on, because <laughs> he's young and naive. So it was a. It was a powerful moment that might have been hard to do in a film and probably keep it PG-13, and that's probably why they took it out. Uh, I'm going to guess that. You know, here's what's interesting psychologically. Like, Mm -hmm. Stephen did some fucking research because, so a lot of ways people react to scenarios do have to do with ways they did in the past, and the body remembers it. So whenever people talk about, now we know it's fight, flight, or freeze, and Charlie's definitely a freezer. But if we look at it and if we break it down, and it's going to get a bit technical here, and I'm sorry in advance, but as a child, if something happens to you that you felt powerless to stop, it could lead to a lot of the behaviors we see Charlie exhibit in the future of, you know, watching something bad happen in his room and feeling like he can't really get anyone's attention or letting Patrick kiss him when he knows it's probably a bad idea and he doesn't want it to happen, but he's just like, I didn't mind. So like, right. you're seeing this resultant behavior stemming from his trauma and like the book brings it about in a brilliant way too of you're hearing about his therapy and the fact that 
the psychiatrist keeps asking about things from the past, and Charlie doesn't know why until he suddenly remembers everything that happened to him. And, like, you realize they've been kind of setting this up where whoever the therapist was, like, they've been realizing from what Charlie's been saying, there's probably some past experience that caused a lot of this, but they just have been careful at chipping away to get to it. Mm-hmm. Very it's good just point. brilliantly written. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, it's, there's, there's a lot of nice things that, connections from the beginning to the end and things that play off and char- characters actually grow and change a little bit. There was one instance also in the book that I, I really wish that they did in the film, and I don't know why they did it the way that they did, where um, so Charlie's starting to date Mary Elizabeth, and so he's been, Charlie's for a while been talking about his friends Sam and Patrick, and his mom finally asks him, hey, um, c- would you like to have uh, Sam and Patrick over for dinner? And so he invites them, and then Mary Elizabeth sort of interjects herself into this dinner, and she takes over the entire thing because she's someone who can't stop talking and takes control of conversations. And I thought that was a very great way of showing how bad of a character Mary Elizabeth's... Not not that she's bad, she's just not able to understand a situation and I think I thought that was like a great way of showing her character and why Charlie needs to get out of this relationship because I I feel like they didn't make her as bad in the movie like I guess there was like a couple of instances where like you know her constantly talking on the phone or uh and whatnot but and like him talking about how uh, in the film he's talking about how he wished she would allow him to choose the music for like the makeout sessions but i felt like she in the movie it was like she kind of was kind of almost like an average person who's just very talkative and energetic and it it makes the scene where when sam decides during the spin the bottle to kiss sam i think you sympathize with them or you know it's wrong. <laughs> you know it's absolutely wrong, but you get why he d- did it. And in the film, it's sort of like he just does it. So Well, I'm going to argue with you here. Because right. to me, Mary Elizabeth, like, we're getting Charlie's point of view. And like we've established, Charlie, it's not his fault, but he doesn't speak his mind and he freezes in situations. So you have this girl. By the way, the first time he meets her, he talks shit about her hair. And then he proceeds to casually insult her a couple more times, like saying she's bossy and tells people what to do. It's interesting, he talks to her worse than any other person before they start dating. I'm not saying it's like, makes Charlie bad, but Charlie comes off a bit more upfront with her at the start, and then suddenly he doesn't like where the relationship is going, and he says nothing. Like, a sane person might interrupt her and be like, yo, let me get a word in, you keep talking. And instead of saying anything... He doesn't speak his mind with her at all, lets the relationship progress to where she's probably thinking we're getting closer and closer, and he's like, I feel more and more like I'm dying. And then, it wasn't even spin the bottle, because you don't control what happens in spin the bottle. It's a dare. dare, And they say, kiss the prettiest girl, and he turns and kisses the girl that boys always liked better than you. I'm just saying. 
Obviously, she's not a perfect character. That's what I like about this book. There aren't perfect characters. But I feel pretty bad for Mary Elizabeth. Oh, no. I, I feel bad for her, too. Like, it's not... It was a fucked up thing to do. And that scene is one of the instances where I didn't like the change of Patrick's wording. Because in the book, he says, oh, well, this is awkward. And in the movie, he says, well, that's fucked up. And I thought the, well, this is awkward plays better for the scene than just sort of like, hey, he said fuck. But no, I mean, I like I'm completely agree. You feel bad for Mary Elizabeth and you're like, Charlie, that was a fucking shitty thing to do, man. Well, I'm just going to say, if you are a Mary Elizabeth out there, if you already know who Billie Holiday is in fucking high school, and obviously you got great grades and you're going to a goddamn Ivy League, don't ever waste your fucking any precious moment of stress on high school boys because you leave high school and none of them matter. Yeah. That's all. Mm-hmm. But we love Charlie. We do love Charlie. He's a great He's a great kid. Yeah, yeah. He's he's still growing up. He's still going through puberty. He His balls just dropped like last week, so... <laughs> He's still, he's still trying to figure out how things work. Um, he just needs a less dominant partner. <laughs> he just needs to speak his mind more. He needs to open up more. Um, and it's, that's, that's one thing. Like, weed, weed was the thing that, like, actually made him actually speak his mind. And, yeah. Um, I will say, one thing that I thought that the movie did that was really cool was a really nice transition from when uh, Charlie was taking a... Uh, uh, a communion wafer and yes. transitioning to him taking LSD. That was fantastic. That was nice and artful. Good job. Great editing. I applaud that 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 instance right there all around. That was a, I I, I loved that. So um, I don't know if I said this earlier when I was talking about the fight. Um, the fight scene sucked. <laughs> so after I mean, me just praising this. Well, okay. No, tell me why you say it sucked. Because it it it. it cuts out pretty much the entire fight and then you just see Charlie shaking with bruised knuckles and it was just sort of like kind of a I felt like a cop-out because they didn't have a choreographer for a fight scene wait 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 though okay here's why I think it's okay look Charlie also doesn't remember what the fuck happened so for taking this whole story as within you know Charlie's head his perspective Charlie black like he blacks out suddenly He's hurt, like, three dudes. First of all, like, no, no, no. no, no wait, let me finish. So, that's okay. You do see snippets of it later when he's, like, kind of freaking out and a bunch of intrusive thoughts are happening and you see part of the fight. I mean, you know, would it have been potentially cool? Sure. But at the same time, this is not the purpose of the story is to show you a cool fight scene. I mean, yeah, parts of me would have liked to see it. I mean, I get your perspective. Frankly, the sex appeal of a man who's been quiet the whole time and values good music and then his friend's getting picked on and he beats the shit out of them, like, that skyrockets for me personally, so I understand. Um, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, 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 what, that's what gets you going. That's part of your lady boner. I, I don't, you know, it's not about me right now, Michael, but, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> that's why i think it kind of works you know all right that's fair that's fair uh i'm trying to remember because i feel like they they don't talk about michael a lot in the film i mean maybe it's not needed uh and they focus more on um his aunt but who was it that was it his sister that dated michael was it or was it someone else 
I can't. It was Susan, wasn't it? Susan. Yes. Yes. Okay. And they, I think then in the movie they made Susan be the girl who just sort of, uh, she was smart, but now she's making fun of Charlie for no reason. Um, or she just wasn't talking to Charlie because she was in with the crowd now, you know? That's what it was. Yeah. It's um, some other random unnamed girl that is just picking on him. Right. Because in the book he calls her and that's why he blacks out in the end because he's asking her if she still, still thinks, thinks about, about michael yeah and it's it's more so that than in the movie he's thinking way too much about helen and thinking oh it was my fault that aunt helen died blah 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 um which i mean it still works uh it's fine uh i just no i agree i i mean the book definitely spoke to me first and like there there's more nuance to it which um, I understand. There also is, you know, there's the poem he gives yes. to Patrick, which we don't have in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, there's just, yeah, there's more insight into his mentality. Like, that's the thing. It's hard to show thoughts on film as well as when you in have a, way, a novel. If there was more internal dialogue, I think it, it could have worked better. I mean, we've, we've covered, um, you know, like A Clockwork Orange and uh, Lolita, and like the way Clockwork Orange is like, even in the film, there's a lot, there's a shit ton of internal dialogue and it works real well. But I, I think a lot of directors fear having voiceovers too much in a film. Um, yeah. And that's where you see, that's the reason why the film plays a lot more of showing instances of, of characters more they flesh out more conversations of other characters and things like that because they didn't want to it to be too charlie heavy with the dialogue also i i in the book going back to the fight scene one more time um (laughs) when charlie looks at brad at the end and in the book he's like you don't you fucking do this again or i will tell everyone who you really are and I think, and that's so much more powerful than in the film when he's like, if you do this again, I'm going to blind you. Well, wait, no, he says I'll blind you in the book too. There was just more than just that line because that line alone comes off a little Charlie chose violence today, but mm-hmm. there was like more to it in the novel that I just can't remember off the top of my head now. But yeah, I think, I think it was just, I, I will blind you. And if that doesn't work, I will tell everyone who you really are. Yeah, something like that. It was something, yeah. So you're right, it was both, but like, why would you cut out the second line? Like, it's so good. It works really well for that scene. That's true. And it makes, it makes, it makes Charlie look like more of a fucking badass. And there's something I understand why they left out because of time, but it's one of, I think, my favorite things in the novel. So Charlie's Mm -hmm. got a characteristic that some of my favorite characters have, which is giving great gifts. This is very important. <laughs> I love it a lot. So there's this really telling scene where like, you can tell this thing, you can tell with Charlie, he's a very emotional child and you don't quite know yet why. And like, it's revealing itself in all these different ways. And there's this really good scene where he's going out Christmas shopping with his mom and his sister and he's freaking out because he doesn't know what to get. And his sister's also getting really mad because she wants to go see her secret boyfriend that she's not supposed to see anymore. It's all very relatable from both sides. You know, when family stuff keeps you from friend stuff, so you understand his sister, but also Charlie's freaking out because he's like, I don't know what to get my dad. I know what to get my friend. 
friends who I've known for like a couple months, what the fuck do I get dad? And he goes into this whole memory of watching the last episode of MASH with his family and everyone's like crying and having an emotional time and his dad excuses himself to go make a sandwich and then Charlie follows him into the kitchen where his dad's making a sandwich and he's fucking crying. And it's like, you know, it's a big moment for every kid the first time you see your father cry. I've never seen it. My dad's a maniac, but like in a good way. I love him. <laughs> I've never seen that man cry. All right, so, but then he goes out shopping with his family, and he finds a place that has the last episode of MASH, so he gets it for his father, and it's very fucking touching. Like, what a great scene. Just shows how in touch Charlie is with everyone else's feelings, and and really knowing them, and why why he's called a wallflower. That's right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great scene. I also... Uh, I want to talk about a big thing, a big, a big, uh, a big thing that I had to rewind the film a couple of times to make sure. And I'm still not entirely sure because it's kind of hard to tell. But at the uh, at the at the football game, and they throw they throw the ball, and and Brad catches it for the <laughs> touchdown. I don't think he actually went into the touchdown. I think he actually went out of bounds. Oh my I think that's God. some bullshit. I think that's some bullshit refereeing right there. He did not. He did not get the winning touchdown. I am pretty positive. I rewinded it at least five or six times just to make sure. It looks like he crosses in front. I am positive about that. And that's some hometown bullshit refing right there that uh, I, I can't stand for. That's that's just that's not cool. That's not good refing. And uh, they need to they need to take that back. And uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, it was wrong. It was oh wrong. Oh, my God, Michael. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Andre. I like to look at really, really stupid details of films. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's quite all right. Um, uh, you know what else? Wait, I'm going to bring up another beautiful thing from the book that we don't quite see. Okay, so we get back to the mm-hmm. gift giving because I'm just going to talk about the gifts for a long time. <laughs> all right, so... We've got Charlie being extra, which I totally understand. And everyone's doing secret Santa gifts, but he's like, but I got gifts for everyone. And they're like, fuck you, Charlie, making the rest of us look bad. But, like, you see, they, I don't, that's the thing. They don't quite tell you the record that he gives Sam is from his aunt. Like, they kind of show it because they kind of show it in the seat next to her when the crash happens. But it's one of those blink and people will miss it. So, like, in the book, though, he goes into great detail about this is the record his aunt got him and how sad it makes him because she always got him two gifts. She was one of the few people that got him two gifts for Christmas and his birthday because his birthday is right before Christmas. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. I always felt bad for those kids. Anyway, his aunt gives him this record and it's something by the Beatles. And then he gives it to Sam. And there's this really nice moment in the book where he says, again, it's one of those things where like it's simple but impactful language where he says that he had decided a long time ago that when he met someone as lovely as that song, he would give them that record. How fucking mm-hmm. beautiful is that? I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, they could have had Charlie say that at some point. That would have been good. I will, I will say, I think they actually, they showed the, uh, this is, this is my version of, uh, you, 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 you arguing against the fight scene. Um, <laughs> I thought they did a good, I actually think they did a good job of like, you know, showing the record next to Aunt Helen and, and on the drive and then, uh, him giving it to her. I don't, I think, I think not making it extremely obvious was a great choice for, for at least the visual medium. Well, see, that's fine, I Michael, think, but they don't have the line. I need that line in there. I need that line. I need that. 
in You're right. the movie. That is a great line. They skip out <laughs> on some really good lines in this movie, and it's a real shame. Like, that's when I was saying like I have gripes with this film. It's it's almost played too much like a typical Hollywood teenage film. For for example, like the party that they go to. Hey, it's a there's a, like a hundred fucking kids at this party. And I'm like, I would like a more realistic, like the parties aren't supposed to be huge. They're not like really popular kids that are all hanging out together. They have their group. Same thing with like the, they put on the, like a, a, a high school club or something for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like it's, it shouldn't be like a full fucking audience of people. I'd get that it looks better on film, but I don't know. I like, because I like this book, how it portrays things fairly realistically it is yeah. a bit of a shame that certain things come off a bit hollywood and yeah, there's so many I, people there they're like fucking really well-dressed adults at the rocky yeah. i'm not saying that doesn't happen but there's like a guy in a full-on suit in the front row at the rocky core picture show yeah. and it's like what's happening in what world and also the costumes are insanely good and can we another casual simping for Ezra Miller moment of how what a good Tim Curry he does like Jesus fucking Christ mm-hmm. yeah I know good what you old, mean good old boys and fishnet stockings huh I'm here for it all right everyone in fishnets everyone <laughs> I'm down to clown for that I'm up for that that's that's not, that sounds totally cool with me ah uh, you know like let's good start time. I'm going to start the defenses of the movie now though I feel like there's a couple mm-hmm. of things they did so well. I'm going to give them a pass for the things they didn't. So okay. I really like when they get their grades and Ezra Miller says, C minus, I'm below average. And they start screaming, below average. I love it. I don't know why. That line, it makes me happy. All right. Here's the other thing. Our great illustrious author wanted to have the tunnel song be Landslide, which like, it's fine. It's a fine song. It's good. Heroes by David Bowie just hits different, and I'm glad they made that change. But you're telling me these kids didn't, these kids who are very much into music, didn't know who David Bowie was. I mean, but here's the thing. They're like, (laughs) they're like that. They are kind of hipsters already. Like, I know I said it's like, this is before hipsters, but like these kids kind of do behave like hipsters too, because, you know, you've got Mary Elizabeth being like, let me show you good music, right? Like, she's being the whole, like, I am that Mm -hmm. friend that shows you the music. And then you've got, you know, our dear little boy pretending Ides is a band he knows. You know, like, they they still have certain elements of, like, they're kind of faking it a little. Like, it comes off from all the characters. Or, like, they, they know certain people that they've been introduced to. They haven't quite looked into music and learned what they like. They just kind of still like what their friends like. But their friends happen to be, you know, the edgier kids. Mm-hmm. So there is a good chance they have The ones that go to Rocky Horror Picture Show but still don't know who Di- David Bowie is. I'm just saying, Michael, <laughs> the Smiths are not... They shouldn't be ever, anyone's favorite band still. Like, I'm just... not. They're yeah. fine. They're fine. They shouldn't be your favorite band, maybe. I don't know. Now, now I'm going to make an enemy of the Smiths and their fans. I'm sorry. You're going to make Morrissey cry, song. Andrea. You're going to make Morrissey cry. He's going to listen to this, and he's going to go be really, really sad now because you made fun of him. And then he's going to go discount a bunch of concert tickets from the shows he didn't show up for. I'm just... <laughs> oh, goodness. 
Audible and Morrissey, we don't mean to be mean to you. <laughs> hey, we've been treating Audible very well since Audible's that one incident. Audible's been doing great. All right. I actually, I listened to the Audible of this and the guy, Noah Gavin or whatever his name was, he did a good job. I really liked He was liked a good Charlie. That was quite yeah. a Charlie voice. And I like the way that he did like female, the female voices as well. Like I thought, I was like, this works. Like yeah. it sounds like how Charlie would say what they're saying so i really liked it and yeah yeah i'm here for you audible you've been doing good um i would like more stuff like the bfg where there's nice good sound design but i guess this one didn't really need it it's all right maybe this one it could have just had like scratchings of like him writing on a piece of paper or just a typewriter going as he's talking <laughs> that would be horrible but true it would have been it, it, it could have been a nice little touch oh wait and one more thing one more thing the movie threw in that i liked and that was Patrick's senior prank of turning, of dyeing all the tools from the woodworking class pink. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was a nice extra thing yeah. here for it. But uh, one thing that they did change is when the workshop and teacher comes in, he gets angry at Patrick. Which Michael, uh, get out of my head! I wrote that same the, note down in the in the book. He laughs it off and actually appreciates it. He just tells him to go to his chair. So, exactly. Don't make all your teachers a little grumpy fusses. I know. Okay, wait, wait, wait. That's another thing they left out, which is a very beautiful moment, is at the end of the school year, Charlie's English teacher is like, come over, meet my girlfriend, let's have dinner. And then he tells him what a brilliant student he is and how much he's loved teaching him. And it's just kind of a nice moment because Charlie feels appreciated. And that's nice. Yes. Yes, that sounds good, but in today's day and age, a teacher having a kid come over to their place sounds like a bad idea. Well, yes. Yes, I agree. Not a smart move if you're a teacher. No, in today's age, a teacher giving you special extra homework is going to set anyone off with red flags. (laughs) Even though it was perfectly innocent, but yeah, you know. Yep. Also, how is, I mean, I guess it's fair. How I was just like thinking on it. I'm like, Charlie has probably a bunch of other homework. Oh, it's freshman year. So maybe not a bunch of homework, but, you know. But haven't you heard Charlie's and, a genius, Michael? Um, he can handle it. He's having to write reports on all these books. <laughs> while also probably reading other books for class and studying for history. and. But we don't hear about take, any of the other subjects. <laughs> No, we don't. We don't. We don't hear about him in gym class and like him accidentally getting a boner or something. Like, actually, I think that he does talk about accidentally getting a boner in the book. Like, he got called up to to the chalkboard or something one time, and like he 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 had to hide a boner. I think he he mentioned when he was like in in middle school or something, which I uh, connect with with a lot. That 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 happened. Same thing happened to me. So, hey guys, it's this is a PSA out there. You sometimes have to get up in front of the class. You got a boner. It's all right. It's all natural. Don't get embarrassed. I was about to say show it yeah. off. That would be horrible. <laughs> um, you know, just just carry a book. Put it right there in front. No one will know. No one will or, know, uh, he says. Okay, everyone no will, will know, know. <laughs> but just be proud. Like, Be proud of it. So maybe smile a little bit. Okay, wait, but here's and the other thing. Because like, speaking it's of... anatomy. A lot of the sex is taken out of the movie, which again, Hollywood, and I kind of understand, but 
there's, okay, so I don't usually do this, but sometimes I like to do this, so I know what to argue against people with. I went on Reddit, mm-hmm. and I was like, what has Reddit said about Parks and Being a Wallflower? And there was a bunch of highly critical people saying, what kind of person hasn't masturbated yet when they're 15? And also, Charlie's a very unrealistic character. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. For a boy uh. who is sexually traumatized and also i think that's a fairly normal age for guys to start masturbating am i crazy um i was 14 so i don't think it's that crazy um i know like some people are more sexually active at a younger age me i also grew up i grew up very conservative so i didn't really know what masturbation was and when i did it for the first time i didn't know what the fuck it was just like charlie and it's hilarious in the book when he when he finds out there's a word for it um but yeah, it's uh, it's I don't think it's that weird. I really don't. I, like I'm sure that like I'm pretty sure I've heard of other guys that started around 15 or even 16. So it just really depends. Like people people uh, go through puberty in different ways. So yeah, and also like that's a kind of a funny little Charlie insight too. Is yeah, he he doesn't want to think sexually of Sam like yeah <laughs> because she probably he's like she wouldn't like it if i did even though she doesn't know but also like he just make wants to make sure he respects her wishes even with his private thoughts and then like he's worried when he has to go up and take brad's place at the rocky horror picture show he's afraid he's gonna get a boner because he's touching sam's boobs as janet and but he doesn't get a boner till after he tells us when he's thinking about it and like yeah i don't know he's precious it's I, I I connected with that shit a lot as someone who grew up in a very religious home um, and then you feel bad for thinking about some one of your classmates when, when you were doing it. You're like, oh shit, the good Lord wouldn't like that. Even though I guess Charlie was less religious than I was, but yeah, I, 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 I think a lot of people would connect with that shit. So <laughs> it was great. I thought it was hilarious because I was like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. And, like, the innocence of he's writing to this person that we don't know who it is, and he's like, have you discovered the joys of masturbation? Yes. And like, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Yes, I loved that part. And he's, like, uh... so innocent where he didn't know what it was, and now that he does, he's just telling some random person about how much fun he's having masturbating frequently. <laughs> oh, Charlie. Uh, Charlie. The name Charlie uh, fucks with me because I watched Lost a lot, and there's a there's a character named Charlie, and this girl goes, Charlie, I don't want my baby around liars, Charlie. And so whenever I hear Charlie, I think of her. And uh, yeah, so I don't know if you've watched Lost, Andrea, but yeah, uh, that's just I a random little not. anecdote. That's a little random little anecdote. That lost ship show. sailed right past me when it was engulfing Ooh. everyone else. I missed that one, and I missed The Walking Dead, and I, I've seen some uh, Walking Dead, and it's just arguing, and sometimes zombies show up, so I'm okay with having missed it. Lost is good. There's It it, it suffers from the, um, you know, it's the time period where you have to have at least, like, 23 episodes a season, and so there's some things that just there's there's too much of stuff, but it's a good show for the most part. God, and they sort of go off the rails at one point. When they all kept us hostage for week after week, and they're like, "Let's draw this out and let's really make them suffer." 
Mm-hmm. And then you had to, if you wanted to watch it, you had to go to the store and buy the DVD collection of the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what? I have some other, I have two other random notes, Michael. I know. Go for it. Another thing I love in the book, another little stroke of genius. So you're having character development all over the place. Stroke. <laughs> you're going to hell. All right, so listen. <laughs> You've got Charlie's brother coming for visits, and Charlie's brother is off in college, and I think he's a pretty relatable character. Not that I've ever been a football star, but, like, he goes off to college, and then he's kind of, he kind of gets there, and he doesn't know what to do. Like, I sense it in him. He gets there, he dates the cheerleader, and he's just kind of like, and what now? And, like, what's nice is you see in the background, you kind of, he comes home, he's excited, he tells them I'm dating this girl, she's also woke, she's also hot. She's great. He talks shit to his sister when his sister tries to talk shit about his girlfriend, which I agree, though. I agree with his sister. Cheerleading is pretty misogynistic. I'm saying it now. Come at me if you want. You're just cheering on yeah, boys to boy, do stuff. But there's boy cheerleaders now. In fact, I have a, I have a, I have a good friend, and, and he, was a, he, was a cheer, he was a boy cheerleader. Well, no, but competitive cheerleading is different than, like, cheering on the oh, high school boys to make them feel important. Oh, no, I mean, that's what he did. Oh, that's cool. No, that's so, cool. Yeah. We also had a boy cheerleader. He was fun. We all loved him. Anyway, so look. So, so, so. But then, like, as the time goes on and, like, brother comes to visit around winter break, he has a beard. The girl has left him. And I love this little note from Charlie. He didn't talk as much anymore and he just listened to what other people were saying. And I thought it was so brilliant to kind of throw that in of, like, he is now developing as an adult in college and being like, I should pay more attention to other people than my own shit. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. And I also want to say, Nina Dobrev, as a sister, killed it. She's fantastic, and I think an underrated actress, and the way her voice broke when she said Charlie, when he hung up on her, was nothing short of masterful. I'm giving kudos to Nina. Yeah, no, she did a great job. Um, the only people that I think that didn't do that great of a job is the parents. They felt very flat. Um, but they're parents, you know? They're just there. I mean, there's so much <laughs> character of them in the book. Like, no, there is. I agree. That's why we'll have to wait for the perks of being the wallflower, the miniseries. You know, but no, speaking of, there's that great scene that I was just talking about where, like, Charlie's brother and sister get into a fight, and her brother mm-hmm. does the the brother does the big no-no of saying... At least my girlfriend wouldn't let a guy hit her like you did with your boyfriend with Ponytail yes. Derek. That was fucked up. And then the way his dad just like stops and pulls over and makes Charlie drive and then sits between the two siblings for the rest of the drive was a yes. nice little touch. That's a smart parenting move right there. And mm-hmm. uh, if I was a parent and that shit, I would I would definitely um, keep that one in, in my back pocket for, for, for if my kids did some shit. So I thought that was a that was a smart move. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, how do you feel about like? I thought it was actually a really cool moment, and it also I guess also te- somewhat ties into the brother playing football and stuff because the uh, the announcer guy on the radio who oh my was God. coming on to Charlie. Um, I actually thought that was a really great scene in the book. And I understand why they left it out because it sort of is bringing something in that's completely unnecessary. And um, I mean, not not it's not a, not un, it's it is necessary, I think, because it's it's Charlie learning about stuff. And uh, 
but and I think it, but I think it works so well in the book because it's right after the fight with Patrick and Brad and Charlie's learning that adults also have their secrets. Yeah, so, I agree. So. No, that was a really, a really fascinating. I had actually forgotten about that scene and rereading. I was like, oh shit, right? This is brilliant. And I love the bit after where he goes and he wants to tell Brad that the guy mentioned his brother's name as, like, having great potential for a college team. And then he knows mm-hmm. if he mentions it and he mentions having met him, his dad's going to be like, you didn't harass him, did you? Um, and then, of course, his dad does ask him that when he does tell them and he just lies and says, oh, we just saw him at a park. Like, he doesn't describe the cruising, the late night, the guy coming on to him. He's just like, we met him at a park. And he was like, oh, that actually worked. I have successfully lied to my parents. Which also plays into the whole lying about the abortion stuff. And uh, it's just, there's some really nice connections and Charlie learning different things um, throughout the book that dives so much deeper than the movie can. Yeah, that's Perks of Being a Wallflower. I don't have anything else on that. You got anything else, Andrea? No, just everyone read it, for fuck's sake. Yes, fucking great. Or listen to it on Audible for for fifteen ninety nine a month. And uh, Audible, if you're listening, please pay me for this advertisement. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, now that you got your uh, your uh, your good old calendar, uh, what are, what are we doing next week? Great question, Michael. I'm getting up now. You're gonna have to cut this out because it's across the room. <laughs> I'm and leaving it in. I am leaving this in. <laughs> great, great. Andrea walks across the room. Why are you making pig noises, huh? What are you trying oh, to say, the, Michael? That wasn't pig noises. That was like squeak, like squeaky shoe. I don't know. <laughs> all right, so here's the thing. This month, like I said, so all the all the books I mentioned last time, they're still valid a month from now. So just shelve your enthusiasm <laughs> for them because this month we've got train spotting we need Hell to talk yes. about kevin and american psycho so i say we do train spotting fucking yes let's do train spotting next fuck yes you fucking fucks fuck yes that's gonna that's work so well for train spotting we're gonna cuss right. so much next week we're gonna cuss so fucking much so y'all be fucking prepared we're gonna do so much heroin next week Ah, uh, yes i can't wait <laughs> we are method podcasters <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be withdrawing as we're as we're uh, doing we're speaking next week we're gonna get addicted this we're gonna get addicted and then start off withdrawals um and it'll be a great great time for everyone so yeah um if you have nothing to do this week please uh read along with us for train spotting you know go do some heroin as well um actually please don't don't fucking do heroin we did um, not tell you not to en- do heroin we're not endorsing <laughs> we're not endorsing heroin we have not been bought out by big heroin companies <laughs> so um don't do heroin but yeah either read wrong or watch the awesome Danny Boyle film, which stars a- Ewan McGregor. It's a great film. So I'm, a- I'm looking forward to talk about this because I haven't read the book. Me so. neither. Holy shit. Hell yes. Awesome. Cool. All right. Bye, so guys. We'll see you all next week. Also, Bye-bye. hey, thank you, Israel. Oh. Thank you, Israel. We keep ranking in your top book podcast for some reason. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's great. Also, also we got a thousand downloads that's pretty we fucking got cool. a thousand downloads so we, ap- we appreciate everyone who's downloading this uh 
and wanting to save it on their devices, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate everyone. Don't deal and, heroin. Uh, deal art episodes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's going that's to be our new slogan. <laughs> you can get this for free, but go on and pirate it. Whatever. Hey, hey, we got the goods. We got we got all the episodes on, on novel ideas of the literary. Which one do you want? You want the BFG? You want Clockwork Orange? You, you need something a little bit more real? We got the big short for you. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh, anyways, yeah. Say... See, you, see. You. Oh, go ahead. No. <laughs> We're never ending this episode. People still talk about your money rant, like in a good way. Like you, you know what? This is good. You've dethroned the bullshit money rant from Anne Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Now this is the money rant. Is your money rant, and it's completely Why'd in you... the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> but why'd you just bring up Iron Rand? Because this, this fucking Charlie loved the Fountainhead. You know, God I was damn that's it, the Charlie. thing, Michael. I was waiting for the moment to bring up Anne Rand because this becomes such a fucking thing now. So there you go. Have your Anne Rand goddamn crumbs. Get out of here. We're officially Get here, done. Anne Rand. We don't want you no more. Bye bye, uh, everyone. Yeah, bye. We're actually officially ending this. So uh, yeah, we'll see y'all later. Bye bye bye. <laughs> I had lunch with Craig today. Yeah? He said he was sorry and that I was right to break up with him. I'm driving away and just feeling so small. Just asking myself, why do I and everyone I love pick people who treat us like we're nothing? We accept the love we think we deserve. <laughs>